This morning, our New Testament lesson is going to come as we continue in 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. We invite you to turn along with us in your own personal Bible to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. for We will see him as he is. Those who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins. In him there is no more sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin, because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do what is right are from God, nor are those who do not love their, all, all who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and their sisters. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've never been a particularly confrontational person. I've just, some folks like conflict and confrontation. I have never been one of those people. Now, I enjoy messing with people, you know. Um, I'm sure one day Tim's going to get me for the many, many years of annoyance. It's coming at some point, I'm sure. I think he talks a big game, but it's never going to happen. That's what, that's what I believe personally. But I've never been one that likes conflict. I can literally, even when I was a young kid and a teenager, I, I, I think I may have been in one actual fist fight, my, fist fight my entire life. I just don't like conflict. I'm a peacemaker. I like for folks to get along. It's just kind of my nature. So those of you who, 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 who like a good fight and like a good conflict, I'm kind of jealous of you sometimes because that's just not my personality. And I, I kind of admire that. I don't know that I want to do it all the time, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of envious of that. So... But I think playing dime store psychologist on myself, that, that peacemaking ability or desire that I have, sometimes I like to subvert that because one of my favorite types of movies are like revenge movies. Like, I'm not a country, a country uh, or Western movie fan. I just, not my cup of tea. But you know what I love? I love me some Tombstone. If you ever seen Tombstone, it is a phenomenal movie because the bad guys are winning and they're running roughshod all over the town and they run him out of town and he comes back in with his posse and there's this great scene where he takes one of the bad guys and kicks him and says, you tell him I'm coming and I'm bringing it all with me. Like, you know, just, just you're, like, you're like, yeah, let's go get him. 
I love, so I think, I think, I think I like to turn off that peacemaking ability and kind of focus on vengeance sometimes in movies. Like, yeah, I like it when all the good guys rally together to defeat the bad guys. You know, it, it, I loved, if you haven't seen Endgame, it's been out for a year, don't want to spoil it for you, but there's that scene where all the good guys come together and beat the bad guy. And we're like, yay! You know, I love in Star Wars when all the good guys in the end come back and help Luke blow up the Death Star. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love those pivotal scenes where the good guys rally together, usually followed with a great speech, you know, led by a great speech. I love, the, I love Lord of the Rings. When he says, there will come a day when the courage of men may fail, but that day is not today. And everybody goes, yeah. I've never liked Braveheart. I think it's the most overrated movie ever. Just don't care for it. Hope Holly doesn't see this because she may disown me because that's her favorite movie. But you know when Mel Gibson run around and they may take our lives, but they will not take our freedom. Yeah, let's go get them. I just, I just love those movies. Those kind of movies are awesome. I love when the good guys rally together at that pivotal moment in the movie to, to beat the bad guys. Love it. Love a good revenge movie like that. Just good stuff. Vengeance movies, you know, things like that. Because just when it seems like evil's won, just when it seems like there's no way good can possibly come out and win this battle, the good guys rally together, find a way to win. Sure seems like evil's winning right now, doesn't it? As we come together on this weekend before 4th of July, we pray for our nation. We look around and we see such conflict. And we see such division. I'll tell you the thing that scares me the most in our nation right now it isn't in conflict because, you know, our nation's kind of built on conflict. Brian's a historian. He can tell you. <laughs> we, we've always had conflict in our nation, that we, Brian? I mean, that's just, that's just part of what we've been through in America. But I'll tell you what bothers me right now, what scares me. That bothers me, scares me. It's the level of contempt we're starting to have for each other. It's not just that we disagree with each other but that we have actual contempt for each other. That's, that scares me, y'all. That scares me. It's hard to reconcile contempt with Christ-like love. So I think, oh gosh. Like I said last week, murder hornets. Like, for real? Murder hornets? There's apparently a sandstorm blowing up that's gonna, who knows? You know, it's just crazy right now. And we think it can't be worse. Can't be worse. But I've always liked what it says in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's nothing new under the sun. And we may think that the political discourse is poisonous right now, but founding fathers had a pretty, you know, I'm sure Brian could give you a good lecture on, on the contemptible language that's been used throughout American history. You know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. So in many ways, the battles that we fight today are the same battles we've been fighting in America for hundreds of years. And as humans, we've been fighting for thousands of years. Now, I do believe there's nothing new under the sun. Now, it is new how we report it, social media is new, things like that. I think that contributes to a lot of our stuff, our contempt we have for each other sometimes, but there's nothing new under the sun. 
But I do think sometimes we look around and think, golly, the forces of darkness seem to be winning, don't they? At least I feel that way sometimes. I think that's why I love this passage. There's so many good things in this passage today. I first love, there's, there's, a, there's an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song called Speechless, where, the, where he quotes this, the beginning of the song, oh, how great a love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. Oh, how great a love the Father has lavished upon us. That we should be called the children of God. Wow, we are God's children. That's awesome. We have been loved with a radical love. That's so important for us to hear. Oh, how great a love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. But then, then he takes this little, little interesting segue with sin. And that, that always kind of unsettles me. Because, you know, he says, he says, um, he's revealed to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who has sinned. <clears throat> no one who sins has either seen him or known him. Well, I hear that. I'm like, uh-oh. Well, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no one who sins either abides in him or knows him. Uh-oh. I'm in real trouble. When you look at the Greek of this passage, what he's talking about with sin, he isn't talking about, he isn't talking about the things that we do that are like, he isn't talking about an individual act. He's talking about a habitual lifestyle of sin. He's talking about a continued um, a continued rejection of Jesus Christ and a continued rejection of his way and his truth and his life. He's not talking about committing an act of sin. He's talking about, when he says you cannot sin if you're in Christ, he's not talking about making mistakes or missing the mark, the classical definition of sin. He's talking about a habitual lifestyle of sin. So that's true. If you abide in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within you and you are living a habitual lifestyle of sin and simply not caring about it, you really have to ask yourself, am I really in Christ? Am I really truly living as he would have me to live? Am I really truly allowing the Holy Spirit to live within me? That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about an individual action, but he's talking about a habitual choice to reject Jesus and walk towards darkness. That's a whole different ballgame right there. But then I love what he says. The son, this is in verse 8. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. God is rallying his forces and evil will be defeated. The works of the devil will be defeated. Darkness will not triumph over light. Light will win. And Jesus will destroy the works of the devil. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is John 10, 10. The thief comes to rob to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I think that's a great synopsis of life. The devil comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. To rob our joy, our life now, to literally kill us physically, 
and to destroy our souls for all of eternity in hell. The devil comes to take from us all that is valuable, all that defines us, all that makes us who we are, all that gives our life purpose and hope. To rob, to take from us what we value, to take our identity in Christ, to take our families, to take our worth, to take our purpose. The devil comes to rob from us all that is good in our life. He comes to kill. He comes to literally cause us to make decisions that are destructive to our life. He loves for us to physically die. He wants us to die. He does. He's a murderer. He's come to rob from us all that matters, to literally end our life, and then to destroy us by causing us to reject God, reject God's love, and find ourselves cast out from God's presence for all of eternity in hell. The devil wants to destroy us. That is his work. He wants to destroy us now in this moment, wants to destroy our physical life, then he wants to destroy our spiritual life and our souls. That's what he longs to do. The devil comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He's come that we may live. Jesus has come to destroy, to destroy the works of the devil. That means he's come to destroy the works of the devil in our own lives. And that means he's come to destroy the works of the devil in the world. And it starts within us. It starts with us allowing the Holy Spirit to have the grace, the freedom for self-examination. Because I may have given the devil a foothold in my life that I didn't realize. Oh, by the way, I may know he's got a foothold. I may have chosen to give him that foothold. I may delight that I've given him a foothold. There may be a sin in my life that I know is there and that I don't care that's there. And I need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict me of that sin. To convict me of the place where I've allowed separation to come between me and God. Because remember, the devil's come to rob, kill, and destroy. And if I've allowed this, 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 this devil to have a foothold in my life, if I've given him a place where he's in charge of my life, it will destroy me. This sin will destroy me. So I need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and to cleanse me from these things to examine my consciousness, to examine my actions, to examine my motivations, to examine me. And I need to give him the freedom to destroy the works of the devil in my own life. That means there's some things that I'm doing that I need to repent of, that I need to stop, and that I need to ask forgiveness of. I need to allow God's Holy Spirit to allow me to see these things. I don't want to see them, y'all. You think I want to see where I mess up? I like living in the bubble of my own perfection. I mean, it's a pretty sweet bubble, Tim. I like that bubble of my own perfection. But I'll never grow if I stay there. If I don't give the Holy Spirit space to examine my consciousness, if I don't allow God to search me through his word or through his spirit, then I'll never grow. And I will have continued to give the devil a foothold. Because that's where growth comes, y'all. Spiritual, 
professional, personal. I learn a lot more from my mistakes than I've ever learned from my successes. It's the time that I've blown it, that I've really messed up. Those are the moments that I've grown. We need to allow, we need to give God the space in our life to convict us of sin, to destroy the works of the devil in our life. It's got to start there. It's got to start with God having complete access to my heart, to my life, to everything about me. And then once he has destroyed the works of the devil in my life, here's the deal, y'all. He's not going to leave me alone. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to call us to go out into his world and be part of the agents of change to destroy the works of the devil in our world. To destroy the works of the devil that are killing people, that are destroying people, that are harming people. That are, that, are, that are bringing so much pain and death, the hatred, the greed, the pride, all these things that drive so much destruction. I mean, it's been such a unique time with the coronavirus and all these things that we haven't been able to do the thing, a lot of things we'd like to do. I mean, we live here in Madison, one of the wealthiest counties in our state. There's hungry kids all over. It's not right. There's neighbors in our towns, our communities, in our neighborhoods who don't know Jesus. It's not right. There's people being abused. There's hatred. There's all these things. They're not right. There's life not being valued. The unborn, the poor, the needy. It's not right. The devil's at work in our world, at work in our communities. And Jesus has called us to go with him to destroy the works of the devil. Evil will be defeated, y'all. I love the Battle Hymn of the Republic, the first song we sang. As he lived to make men holy, let us die to make men free. Our God's marching on. There's needs all around us, y'all. And as Jesus destroys the works of the devil in our hearts, we're gonna lose our blindness and our hard-heartedness sometimes to the needs all around us. And we're gonna feel compelled by our Savior to go, to go into his world and to destroy the works of the devil. Evil's gonna be defeated, y'all, it is. Don't fret and don't fear. The devil had his moment on Good Friday but Sunday was coming. Yeah, he's having little, he's having little, um, little, little victory right now. But it won't last. 
I know you all follow Ole Miss sports with the same intensity that I do. And uh, you may not remember back in the late 80s. I wish Joe Bob was here because Joe Bob, Gene, he could, he could tell me all the details of this one. We went to, Ole Miss went to Alabama and we beat them. I think it was the day the Bear Bryant Museum opened up on Tuscaloosa and we beat them. It was great. It was, we beat them. And then the next year, we played them here in Jackson. I remember listening to this game back home. And we jumped out on Alabama, first quarter, 21-0. I thought, man, we got them. We, we own Alabama now. I mean, we beat them last year. We're up on them 21-0 right now. Yeah, we got this. Final score, 63-21. to 21. They scored 63 uninterrupted points. And we didn't score again. And I don't think we beat them for another two decades. <laughs> it may feel like the devil's up 21-0 right now, y'all. But the game's not over. I read the playbook. I know who wins. So I'm not afraid. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. May we give him the grace and the space in our life. May we give him the space for his grace in our life to destroy the works in our very souls. And then may we faithfully follow him wherever it is he's calling us to go into his world to destroy those works. Jesus is going to win. Good's going to win. Let's not lose heart. Let's not lose hope. We know who wins. Let's pray.